Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. Teachers, do you wish your students could tell you what it is that they need when they struggle? Because it's really hard for you to figure out. And parents, do you wish that you could just help your child learn the words that it takes so they can say, I need help with this. But instead, what your student or child may be saying is, I'm dumb and I'm stupid and all the other kids are smarter than me and they're so hard on themselves. Well, Lindsay Ann is here to share some of her experiences, resources, and strategies too to help us to teach children to learn how to advocate for themselves. She has a business called The Tailored Teacher. Why is it Tailored Teacher? Because her company looks at every child as an individual child, a whole child, a child who has some kind of condition or disability that needs to be addressed, but addressed appropriately through specific strategies. And so Lindsay Ann is here to share not only how she has helped and her company helps children, but how you can too. And through her experiences of having ADHD, she's learned so much in how to apply the cognitive skills in how to learn so children who struggle can understand what's being taught to them. Welcome, Lindsay Ann. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you are now. So I started out as a public school teacher um, and in my experience teaching public school, uh, I honestly had some struggles of my own because I do have ADHD, um, figuring out how to access all of the tools and things that I needed uh, as a teacher was really hard for me. Um, but then I very quickly saw, because I taught uh, elementary uh, and I taught special ed. So I saw that my students were having struggles with their learning but then what led me to having a business was seeing that parents had no idea how to access resources and tools to help their child. When I would meet with them and I would say, hey, this is what I see going on with your child in the classroom. A lot of times parents would say, I, I don't know how to help them. I don't know what to do. Um, and so after teaching for um, a number of years in public school, I decided, you know, I really want to be on the side of helping families and children first and that being where my connection point is as opposed to being in the classroom and providing curriculum and instruction from the classroom standpoint. Tell us about the types of students that you service. Now they're kindergarten all the way through college if they're with you since high school. So tell us about some of the learning difficulties that you see. So we uh, work with kiddos with a variety of learning disabilities, but what we see the most of is students with ADHD, dyslexia, and dysgraphia are the big things that we see. Um, we used to see a lot more autism, um, but the cool thing about kiddos with autism different that I see than our kiddos with ADHD is 
their rule followers. And once you teach them the rules, they will set themselves free. Whereas those of us with ADHD may sometimes need those reminders a little bit more. Um, so we work with those really those four main areas. Um, but sometimes some of our kiddos with autism come to us, learn what they need to do, apply those skills, and then they go on their merry way. So that is a very big difference between those two conditions. So when you're working with a child with ADHD, what are some of those strategies that you use? And are those strategies different than those who have dyslexia or dysgraphia, dyscalculia? So sometimes yes and sometimes no. Uh, specifically with ADHD, it's really helping students figure out where they're lost. Um, so breaking down things into steps and helping students find those steps and then use those steps ongoing, but it's pretty repetitive in some ways. Um, but that and dyslexia, a lot of times those things work hand in hand. Um, we do things like visual schedules. So writing out at the beginning of a tutoring session, for example, what the tutoring session is going to look like so that the student remembers these are the things that we're doing in each session. Um, so those things are pretty similar for dyslexia and ADHD in that it's, we kind of go through the same motions while the content's different each time, but those motions of it are, are pretty similar each time. Uh, dyslexia, you know, and ADHD for some reason go hand in hand, dyscalculia, not as much. Um, those are still pretty visual, but it's pretty different in seeing what the steps look like session to session with students. Do you have any suggestions for students who have a poor perception of themselves? How can they use help in that? What do you see? Helping them see that it's not a failure to get lost. So a lot of times students who come to us for support say, I keep getting lost in class and I, there must be something wrong with me. That's what kids say so often. There must be something wrong with me. And reminding them there's nothing wrong with you. Your brain just processes differently. So helping them figure out what tools to use and reminding them that those tools are the things that are helping them be successful. Those tools are the things that make them unique and special, not that there's something wrong. And these tools, you mentioned visuals. Now these tools really support what and how? Ah, well, a lot of different things. <laughs> uh, tools like learning how to take notes with different colored pens or pencils. It, is a good way to keep that ADHD brain focused and engaged and also really staying on task in class. So that technically we could maybe put that in the bucket of, of a visual, but really it's more just a classroom tool. We have to take notes for things, particularly, you know, starting around fourth grade, students have the expectation of writing down the steps for a variety of different classes, writing down vocabulary or things like that, teaching them how to do that in different colors, while that to us, you know, may as adults seem like, oh, that's fun and cute. No, it's actually keeping their brain focused because as they're swapping from blue to red to purple to green, whatever it is, the different content is being categorized in their brain and it's helping it solidify the learning for them. So note-taking skills, visuals, um, also helping students learn how to ask questions in ah, class. Tell us so, more about that. 
Yes. So specific question stems when they get lost in the classroom are super helpful. Sorry, this is an education term, but I'll break it down for parents. Go for front it. loading. Um, yes. So front loading, just meaning planning ahead of time for the thing that they're going to be doing. So giving students specific types of questions to ask, such as, I think that I got lost in this step and helping them be able, that doesn't feel like a question, but it is because particularly in science and math, if they're lost when they're doing an experiment in science or they're lost after the third step in every single math problem, that's a question they can go to their teacher directly and say, I think I got lost in this step, can you help me? And so giving them that tool, asking questions like, I think that I don't understand the vocabulary and helping them instead of go directly to this is too hard or I don't right. get it helping them take the language of the piece they don't understand as the part of the question. It's so funny that you should say that is because I'm actually, well, there's twofold. I'm actually teaching my students to take a statement. This is more writing. And then use some of those words to ask questions. Yes. And I'm always emphasizing, although that's the academic side, it correlates with when you ask a question, do you understand what I'm being said? I don't want to, I said that to them, to them today. I don't want to see everybody's hand up if not everybody understands what it is I'm asking. I want to see that hand up and for the question of what did you say? Oh, I missed it. Can you say it again? Yeah. And it's amazing. You have, all you need is like one or two students to really latch onto that. And then other mm -hmm. students start saying, you know what? I did, I missed it too. And they're not ashamed. It's like, I missed it. It's a strategy for me to tell you. And now <laughs> I'm telling you, so give me the question again. <laughs> Instead of saying, oh no, yes. and worrying, right? Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. Um, also, teaching them to ask a question more specific than I need help. Yes. Um, yes. Because and I actually had a conversation with a client about that earlier today, because we've been working on, on helping him not just start there. He did. He started with the statement, I need help. And then I went because I was expecting for that to be the end of the statement. So I was prepared to be like, I, but I don't know what you need help with. And, but he didn't stop he had really taken the sentence stem into to heart. He said, I need help with knowing what the vocabulary is. Oh here. my goodness. So we had to think about so it. I said, thoughts, remember what it is that he wanted to say that parents and listeners is executive functioning. That's your working memory to be able yes. to remember and know what you need and then process it and say it. There's so many steps in that. Yes. And we were talking early, earlier and you had mentioned that parents need the same type of support, the same support and being able to recognize within their child what their needs are. So when they come to you for assistance and support, they're able to more accurately tell you what their child is in need of and what their concerns are as a parent. So can you talk to us in regards to that as well? Yes. So a lot of times when we have a new client that comes to us, parents will contact us and say, oh, she's doing poorly in reading. You know, she really needs a lot of reading help. So when I talk to them, you know, okay, so do you know where 
she's struggling in reading. What What's the struggle? Well, I don't know, but she's failing all of her assignments in reading. And so helping parents be able to, through us working with the student, um, usually we'll do like a reading assessment or a math assessment to find out exactly what the content gap is, but then having the student when they miss something explain, okay, do you know why you missed this? Or if they just say, I, I don't know, I don't know that. Being able to tell parents, I think that your child does not have the executive functioning tools to ask for help. Just like I was talking about front loading those questions for kids, a lot of times kids don't know what they don't know parents don't know what they don't know. And so helping build the language and the understanding is a thing, you know, that I have to do with our parents and help them know, okay, so what your child's actually struggling with is remembering to write down any steps in math class when she's taking notes. The reason that she's having a hard time in reading is because she doesn't remember the steps for using context clues to find uncommon words in oh her reading. Oh my goodness, and that's so, exactly right. Yeah, so helping parents know what the specific step is that can be used kind of universally for whatever a child is struggling with in a variety of content areas. Because like I mentioned, context clues, if you can't figure out words you don't know, that's across the board in all academic areas. And so I can very easily tell a parent, your child came in here because they're failing reading, but I imagine that they're probably struggling in three or four other classes right. because they don't know how to find vocabulary. They don't know how to show what words they don't know. Because what's happening in the child's brain is they read a whole sentence that makes no sense to them and they discount the whole sentence and then they oh. miss an entire section of something that's happening. Right, exactly. Then the reading comprehension is not there. We either have to go back or they're back to feeling inadequate. Yes, yes. That's so all I, these pieces tie together, yeah. That's why I actually created the reading cue card and the vowel chart because those are two tools that I have as part of the toolkit specifically to take action on. Because what you're talking about is students need to take action to be able to support their executive functioning so that way they can focus and remember which strategy they need at the time that they need it. Yes. Fantastic, Lindsay. And talk to us about how else children can advocate for themselves because I know that's your jam. Oh my gosh, it is totally my jam and I could talk to you for three hours on it. I won't, <laughs> um, but I could. Um, so... Let me start at the end and say, when a child has learned how to advocate for themselves and they come to us and tell us about doing that, I can't say that there's any greater joy in the world than a child coming to a tutoring session and saying, Miss Lindsay Ann, you would not believe what happened in class today. So I got lost when we were doing the math. And then I remembered that I had not taken out my different colored pins. And because I didn't take out my pins, oh. I got lost in the notes and being able to like break down exactly what it yeah. is that they didn't do and be able to be like, but I, but I, it wasn't that I did something wrong. I just forgot. And so that's, to me, that's why, why you take the time to help kids. But, uh, the reason that it matters to me is because I just saw kids floundering for years when I taught public school. I saw them floundering to access tools. 
They didn't even know no, that tools just, existed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but they're there, but we as educators and parents need to know first so we can yes. learn, model, and teach. Yes. So why I do what I do is because kids don't know what they don't know. Parents don't know what they don't know. But the empowerment of giving children those tools is beyond belief. I mean, it's it's the most exciting thing in the world because- you know, educators are trying their hardest in classrooms, but when you have 26 children, you, you can't take the time to front load all of the questions, not for lack of wanting to support your students, not for lack of wanting to do what's right by kids. There's just not time sometimes. And so we all work together as a community. So my job gets to be, I get to give students those tools that they then take to the classroom. They get to use them with their teacher. And a lot of times, the really fun thing for kids that are with us for a long time is that they end up taking their friends on the journey with them too. Their friends may have ADHD, their friends may not, but every child needs executive functioning support. It's like I said, there's not time in the day for kids to be getting that a lot of times in, in school. So when we teach kids the tools and they practice them repeatedly and they use those tools and they're able to then have a whole tool belt of using, you know, visuals, drawing pictures for themselves to understand things, underlining the important things that they need, using different colors, all the different strategies that we over time build with our students, when they then teach even one of those to a friend of theirs, and they're able to come to us and say, not only their success, but, oh my gosh, my friend Marilee totally used my note-taking strategy today. And like their excitement of knowing that somebody else used their strategy is really cool. Yeah, now they have a sense of belonging that they never had. Now mm-hmm. it's not just they have to do it. Now it's it works for you too. Wow, check this out. I have another strategy. And then they yeah. start to love to learn to learn. Yeah. Do you ever have a really difficult child to reach? Yes. What is that like? What do you do? What is it like? Well, I start with a deep breath, literally. Yes. Um, usually the most difficult kids are kids that have been to three or four different schools because they have so many executive functioning needs that it starts to impede their overall behavior. So kids have, have been in one school and then they've either been asked to leave the school or they've been sent to an alternative campus or they've been sent to a behavior classroom at a different campus or you know whatever the case may be kids that come to us that have been through the ringer honestly of the education experience and parents not knowing why kids not knowing why the school not knowing why you know or schools not knowing why those kids come with walls that could rival the great wall of China in some cases, like no joke, because they are not ready. You know, they come in, they sit down. Oh yeah. Here we go again. My mom said I have to be here. Yeah. You know, I'm like one more person. They look at me and they're like, oh, this lady is not going to be able to help me. Or they look at one of my other team members and they're like, "Mm, no, you know, whatever. Um, you know, that honestly, starts with building a relationship with the child. It doesn't start with executive functioning. It does not start with any of the tools that I need. It starts with, so why are you here? Uh, Because my mom told me that I had to be. 
Okay. I gather you don't want to be here. You know, why, why don't you want to be here? The funniest, this happened about three months ago and uh, this child and I have built a relationship, but it was so funny because this is the most honest answer I've ever gotten. Well, I'm here because my mom said it was here or juvie. And I said, okay. We've got a big uh, job. Um, I said, I kind of laughed and I said, buddy, I haven't heard anyone say that term in a really long time. And he said, well, that's what my mom said. And I said, do you even, do you know what that means? And he was like, yeah, it's like a jail for kids or something. And so that was, that was my end though. Like his mom had repeated it to him, but he didn't actually fully know what it meant. And so I said, ah, so it was kind of like an empty threat to you. Like whatever you have to be here, but the alternative is like maybe a kid's jail, but you like, don't even know what that is. And he was, he said, yeah, that's what I just said. (laughs) And I was like, right. Okay. So does that happen other places? People use words that you sometimes don't know what they mean. Ah, did you hear that everybody? You see what she just did? You see what she just did? That explain that again. I, that's important. I don't want them to I don't want them to miss it. Say that So I connected with him. I identified mm-hmm. what he was feeling. Mm-hmm. Ah, you're feeling like you don't matter, but I didn't say that. But what I'm hearing is that somebody used a word that you don't know what they mean. And then, so when I asked him and he said, no, I don't really know what that means. I connected that back to another experience in his life that most likely was his biggest academic struggle. Oh, does that happen other places for you? Are there other times that you hear words that you don't know what they mean? And, and let me be very clear. I, I do it in the most kind and compassionate way possible but I don't play around with children. I don't want them to feel like I'm placating them. Right. I, I hear that that's frustrating for you. That must happen other times. Why don't you tell me about that frustration? So connecting with the child about the specific struggle, but then taking that struggle and being able to generalize it to other experiences and seeing if we can build a bridge together. You know, my biggest thing I tell our kids, I tell our parents is building that bridge. So I tried to build a bridge with him. And that's honestly the best place to start a lot of times with executive functioning for kids is building a bridge to something they do understand and then bringing it back to what they don't understand. So building a bridge to something that they understand. That's Mm -hmm. so important because we're always... They should know this. They look like, they speak like, they should know it all. So I want to start here. So just pay attention and get your act together. And let's, let me do what I need to do is not going to work. And it's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I had a conversation with a student today about, she got frustrated, I guess, with a student at school that um, she's like, he, he keeps getting in trouble because he's just always talking and I always miss the instructions and I get so annoyed with him. And I said, do you think he might actually just be making sure that he understands what's happening? And she looks at me so annoyed. Uh, 
I mean, I guess, but like, couldn't he do it in his head? <laughs> That's awesome. But, but again, building that connection point. Ah, so you're frustrated because you need to hear the instructions. He's trying to make sure that he verbalizes and understands the instruction. And so now you guys are butting heads, but neither of you are knowing what's happening in class right now. Right. So now coming from U.S. standpoint, how can she advocate for herself? So she knows what those instructions are. Uh, a lot of times pausing to take a deep breath. This one is, this is the, the my biggest executive functioning tool. Take a deep breath. No, me really, too. Truly. Me too. Uh, Starts with that. Calm mind for a calm body. Let me know. I say that all the time. Oh my gosh. Let me know how many more you need or when we can stop. <laughs> Best is when they still breathing on their own intentionally. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So, but that, that is the first place to advocate. Take a deep breath so that you actually know the thing that's frustrating you. Right. Um, but then the thing that I, my biggest advocacy tool that I give students is, did you try to solve that problem before going to your teacher? So in this specific example, she's annoyed because another child is verbalizing. I said, did you ever ask him to maybe try to say it in his head? Or did you ever say, hey, no, thank you. I, I can't hear when, when you're talking. Or did you ever ask your teacher if you could move away from him for when she's giving instructions? You know, so always giving options of ways to do it instead of just going straight to frustration, which as a person with ADHD, sensory overwhelm is, is the first place that's easiest to go, but yeah. learning to take that deep breath, yeah. learning to hone into, okay, so what is a step that I can take? I've taken a deep breath. Now, what step can I take? Okay. Um, I can ask him to stop talking, but I think that might lead to an argument. So that may not be the best choice. Can I ask my teacher if I can go somewhere else? Can I look on my paper and see, are the instructions actually already written down? Oh, Maybe I can read them. So, so we have a number of alternatives here. Yes. Instead of just, oh, he won't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have any advice, who would you give it to? Would you give it to the parents right now? Would you give advice to the teachers? Would you give advice to the kids? What kind of advice would you give to whom? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, honestly, I think I'm always gonna go to kids first. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm always gonna give the advice to kids first because there are always going to be people talking at kids, giving them ideas. If we don't give them the tools to advocate or if we're always solving problems for kids, they're never going to build the skills themselves. And again, nobody tries to solve problems for kids because they don't think kids can do it. It's in the name of help. But my advice would be well, honestly, probably to adults and kids at the same time. Kids, try to advocate for yourself. And then adults, give chance, give kids a chance to advocate for themselves. So, and, and, and advocacy for a child, even as young as first grade, could be, yeah. I'm confused. Can you slow down? Yeah. Because Absolutely. those are words that even a six-year-old can use. And... and that's always, even if it, even if the issue is not, you actually need the teacher to slow down. 
that gives the teacher long enough to process through where there may have been a, a breaking point. The parent, if it's with a parent, gives the parent time to figure out where there may have been a breaking point in communication. And for the child, it helps them feel heard. Right, which is tremendous, tremendous. Mm -hmm. Lindsay Ann, uh, where can people get in touch with you if they have a question and wanna check out what services that you provide? So our website uh, would be the best place to go. Um, it is tailoredteacherllc.com. And that's T-A-I-L-O-R-E-D, like you would get your pants tailored because customized education. Um, we have a contact us page on there. Uh, you can contact us and say, hey, I think I heard you on a podcast. I'd like to know more about your services. Um, we do offer in-person services here um, in the Houston, Texas area, but then we also offer online services, um, both for students and families um, through Zoom. So we can help you. We have families locally, and then we do have some families that are not local as well. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, your experience, your expertise. We really appreciate your time with us. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.